Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This sermon was taken from the life of the church. For more messages like this, please see our website, www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this message. Before we do, though, um, I was uh, just caught by uh, the sides of this hall, and uh, I just a thought dropped into my spirit, and uh, it comes from from Peter, uh, one Peter, it says that uh, that we are living stones being built together into a spiritual house, into the house of God, and uh, and I looked I, I looked there, and if you look now, you'll notice that it isn't uniform. They're very different. Every stone is very different. They've all been cut differently. They've all been shaped differently. They started out different. They're different colors. But they're all put together. And I just wanted to encourage you, if you are feeling like you don't quite fit in, or this is not really a place for you, or maybe you're feeling a little odd, (laughs) guess what? We, we need you, because without you and your weirdness and your differentness and your oddness and your journey and how God has gifted you and how he's shaped you and how he's continuing to chisel you, without you, we're incomplete. So I just want to encourage you, if, if you felt like that, to find your place in the house of God. Amen. Amen. Can we just pray for the message and for me, the preacher? Thanks. Lord Jesus, we just pray right now. We just thank you for uh, what you have placed on my heart. I pray, Jesus, that you would speak in this time, that this would be a spiritual time. God, I thank you that this is not a TED talk. Thank you that this is not a school oral. But Jesus, this is a time of hearing from you. And we pray right now that your Holy Spirit would move on my words and on our hearts. Move in this place, in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in the Christmas series, and I have the privilege of talking about the first one, which is hope, hope, peace, and joy. You've seen those around. They've been, you know, on those, what are those things? Bunting. I don't know. You see it around. But hope is something that we as Joburgers have in abundance. We are very hopeful. I mean, what I mean is that we live in constant hope <laughs> that there would be change, <laughs> that things will improve, whether it's government or potholes or various sheddings maybe even weather conditions. But often, I mean, we live in this hope, but often our language is not hopeful. (laughs) Our language kind of betrays what's really in our hearts. And even this morning, I heard someone say, look, I don't want to be a naysayer, but... And it's kind of like there, it's there. And I think, honestly, I think that that's where the Israelites were at the time of Jesus' birth. Kind of like where, we're, where we are right now. 
The Israelites were overseen. They were taken over. They were, there was a foreign power that were ruling them. And they were allowed to keep their religiousness happening as long as it didn't interfere with the peace or with the compliance of the people. You can do your thing. They even had a, a very heavy tax burden. They had to now give to Caesar what was Caesar's, not just the standard religious taxes that they would have had to pay for as part of their worship, as part of their, their sacrifices, their offerings. And it had been approximately 600 years since they had heard from a prophet of the Lord. It's a dark time. It's a dark time. And it's into this dark scene that the light of the world comes, bringing a new hope to desperate people. This time, he is not coming on a white horse, leading the armies of the living God to victory over their oppressors. It's not like Helm's Deep, just wait until morning and Gandalf will arrive with a, with a fresh army. Hope comes in the morning. It's not like Dr. Strange arriving at Endgame with all the, all the fallen soldiers that Thanos had, had taken. It's not like that. Instead, God comes in an unlikely way to an unlikely couple to accomplish the task in an unlikely fashion. How did the... How do the Israelites process this? How do they process this? How do they find hope in this? Well, I honestly don't think that they did. Because, I mean, they were experiencing it. It was right in front of them. And often when we experience things, when we're going through things, we don't see that hope. We don't see things from a different perspective. I also think that they didn't find hope in, the, in this because... It wasn't what they expected. They were expecting a military overthrow. They expected to be the free, the God's chosen once again. No one can hold us down. Instead, it didn't quite look like that. So let's have a quick look at the unlikelies. Those unlikelies. God coming in an unlikely way to an unlikely couple to accomplish the task in an unlikely fashion. The way. How did God come to bring freedom to save his people? How did he do it? Well, he came as a, as a baby. <laughs> he came as a vulnerable child. He didn't come accomplished. He didn't come tested. He didn't come victorious. Not at all. He came essentially through the back door. John 1 verse 14 says, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. God, the one who spoke the earth, everything into being, became one of us. Stooped down to our level. Became like our neighbor.
Philippians 2, verse 6 to 8, talking about Jesus, who, being in the nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Hebrews 4 verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. (coughs) Jesus became one of us. That's not what we expect. That's not what the Israelites expected. It was in an unlikely way. He came to an unlikely couple, Joseph and Mary, who weren't even married yet. They were engaged. And yet, Joseph, he comes and he comes to an honorable man. Matthew 1 verse 18 to 25 says this, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. (gasps) Skanda. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Hey, what a good man. Hey, he wanted to just, it's okay. We'll sort this out. It's not going to happen, but we'll sort this out quietly. It's okay. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. This is the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. What about Mary? Mary, a very willing believer. Luke 1, verse 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's Mary's relative, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, 
and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the, ha- the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, to be born will be called Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Mary was probably approximately 15 or so when this happened. That's quite a burden. That's quite a thing. And yet she willingly said, yes, Lord, I'll do it. May your word be fulfilled. I am the Lord's servant. What about the task? The task, people have different opinions about the task, different views about the task. From the Israelites' point of view, they wanted to see the Romans gone. Caesar was not their Lord, the, the God of their fathers was their Lord. But God had a different perspective. The task was to bring true freedom from the real oppressors, the oppressors of sin and death, not the Romans. And Jesus was the one to fulfill that task. Not only that, Jesus was to be the perfect sacrifice to fulfill God's justice. So often, we, like the Israelites, don't find hope in our situation because it, looks, it often looks different to how we are, are expecting. Yet in the story of Christmas, there is hope everywhere. And we can find hope in this story for our lives. For our lives right here. Thousands of years later, thousands of inventions later, our modern lives, we can find hope in this ancient story. There is hope in the story because of God's plan, because of the prophetic, and because in the story, we get to see from heaven's perspective. Yes, this is the best bottle here. Sure. I gotta throw in one at least. The Christmas story is an extension of God's plan to save humanity from the beginning. Jesus is declared in Revelation 13 verse 8 as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. John the Baptist declares as Jesus is getting baptized that Jesus is the lamb slain, this lamb who takes away the sin of the world. God had a plan for We see promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through Genesis. At the end of Genesis, do you want those scriptures? I can give you those scriptures. 
promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, verse 3, to Isaac is in 17, verse, chapter 17, verse 19, in Jake, to Jacob is Genesis 28, verse 14. God promises that the Savior will come through the line of Judah in Genesis 49, verse 10. And to David, as David is wanting to build the temple, the promise comes to him that his throne will last forever. And that is found in 2 Samuel 7, verse 12 to 13. The prophets, Isaiah, talks about how God was with us. Isaiah 7, verse 14. And in Isaiah 9, verse 6, it's unto us a child is born and the government will be on his shoulders. The Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor. Hosea spoke about how the Messiah, the Christ, will come from, will spend time in Egypt. And Micah, the prophet Micah, spoke about how he was born, would, would, how he was to be born in Bethlehem. All of these speak of God having a plan. This didn't happen by accident, and it didn't happen along the way. He didn't, God didn't make a plan. What are we going to do? God, God, that wasn't God. He wasn't, he wasn't caught by surprise. He had a plan. And because he had a plan, there is hope. There's hope in the prophetic found in the story of Christmas. Joseph had dreams. He dreamt not to get divorced. He dreamt when they had to flee to Egypt because Herod was after the new king. He dreamt when Herod was killed and he could, come, could return. That's prophetic. That's the, that's the prophetic. What about the visitations by angels? John the Baptist's parents were visited by angels. Zechariah, oh, that missed my disappeared all of a sudden. Zechariah was visited by an angel. John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth, was visited by an angel. Mary, as we read earlier, was visited by an angel. That, how do you define? That's prophetic. There's prophetic in the story. God is getting involved. He doesn't just have a plan. He wants, he gets involved. He gets involved. We can find hope in the story because we get to see from heaven's perspective. Heaven's perspective is not our perspective, right? This is not done in a way that we were expecting. It's not done in a way that's natural or that was culturally relevant. This is God getting his hands dirty. God becoming man, the only way to fulfill God's justice. We wouldn't have thought of that. Did you, did you, would you have considered, oh, well, I don't know, maybe for us to be free, maybe God should come and become a, no, it's, what? This is, this is how, this is how God thinks. It's different. Even in the story, we see that God uses different things, different people, different, that we would, we wouldn't consider them. The shepherds were the first ones to hear about the Messiah, who were they? 
They were smelly, dirty, social outcasts. The Magi, those three wise men, they weren't three, it's in the Bible, it doesn't say three, it says three gifts, not three people. So there might have been more, there might have been less, but there were three gifts. But those wise men who came from afar, who were they? Well, they were unbelieving, they were heathen stargazers. Ooh, that seems to step on our religious sensibilities. Even the lights are freaking out. <laughs> Ooh, the wise men. What about the regions that were used? It wasn't the capital city, the, the place where the temple was. It was Bethlehem. It's almost like Bethlehem here. You're like, why? Why would you even? It must be Joburg. And Egypt, the old enemy. Hey? Isn't, is this blowing your mind a little? When I'm like, this is... It's a little different. And then Jesus, where does he settle? He settles in Nazareth in Galilee. They even had a phrase, because it comes up later on, when Jesus meets Nathaniel and they say, oh, where, where is he from? Oh, he's from, he's from Nazareth. And he goes, <laughs> can anything good come out of Nazareth? That was a phrase that they used to say. It, it was like talking about the South. You know, like, oh. Heaven had a different perspective. And it comes through very, very clearly through the Christmas story. So how can we find hope in the Christmas story? Well, through these things, three things. By knowing that God has a plan. God has a plan. This should fill us with hope. This should fill us with hope. That God has a plan. He's not caught unaware. He's not caught off guard. The things that we go through, the things that we face, the struggles, the pain. It, God, God has a plan. I'll put up a quote uh, in a moment later. Not now. I, I, I didn't know where to put this quote. No, no, not now. I didn't know where to put this quote. So I told the media guys, I said like, hey, I've got this quote. I don't know where to put it. So just, this is not the sign. Okay. I'm not saying that God has planned your pain. Actually, I do want to put that quote up now because it's, I feel like I need to say in Jesus Christ, God experienced the greatest depths of pain. That was Jesus on the cross. God the Father lost his son. Lost his son. Jesus even cried out because of the separation. The God who is one was separated on the cross. God experienced this pain. Therefore, because of that pain experienced by God, through, though Christianity does not provide 
the reason for each experience of pain, it provides deep resources for actually facing suffering with hope and courage rather than bitterness and despair. We should be able to click into hope because God has a plan. How can we find hope in the story of Christmas? Well, by remembering through the prophetic, because there's prophetic in here, in the story, we can remember the prophetic words that we've received, those dreams that we've had. Over this time, this is a great time for reflection. The pace is a little, dif little different. Even if you're working, things are a little slower. That's okay. The time, remember what God has spoken to you, what those words that have, have resonated with you, the scriptures that have stuck out to you, the dreams that he has given. How can we find hope in the Christmas story? By trying, by living out of heaven's perspective and by asking for heaven's perspective. Sometimes we can be so close that we miss the wood for the trees. We often need to zoom out. Lord, what do you show me? Show, show. I don't know why, but show me. All of this, all of this, this hope that we find in the story should affect how we see, how we talk, and how we walk. We can't have this great hope from this great story with this great God who comes to us and makes a plan in order for us to come to Him. We can't carry this hope that is so evident in the story without letting it affect us. It means we need to see differently. We need to talk. We need to speak differently. And we, need to, we really need to walk differently. Could we be the ones to bring light into the darkness? To bring hope to those who are struggling to find hope? See, our hope is sure, it's strong, it's firm. Our hope is an anchor. It anchors us. But maybe, just maybe, there are those who don't quite share the same hope that we have. Maybe we need to help others to see, to know, and to feel the hope that we carry. Well, how do we do this? Well, three, very, there's lots of threes in this. Hey, it's quite cool. Yeah. Preacher points. <laughs> we pray, we talk, and we engage. We pray for and with others. We need to be praying for those in our worlds. We cannot just be hearing their struggles, hearing their heart, hearing what's going on with them and not bring it before the living God. Our role is to be priests. What is a priest? A priest represents God to man and man to God. Which means when we hear these things, these struggles, we should be the first ones to pray. We bring that before God. 
And we pray, we don't just pray for them, but we pray with people. I've got such a headache. Let's pray. Do you believe God can heal you? He can do anything, right? Let's pray. We pray with people. Someone's sad. What is going? I'm here. Let's pray. Let's carry this burden together. We pray, we talk. Our language matters. Our language matters. And we need to have language that matches the hope that we carry. Yes, things need to change. But actually, God's got us. It's okay. God's got us. How we talk about what happens here needs to change. Needs to be laced with hope. We need to pray, we need to talk, we need to engage. We need to be generous. How do we show that we have hope? We engage. How do we bring light to the darkness? Well, Jesus says, it's your good works that will shine the light before others. So we're generous. We connect. We don't fob people off. We connect. We include. Oh, you're going to be alone this Christmas. Oh, I'm so sorry. I just I hope that you have a great time. We include. And we give. We're generous. The dictionary describes hope, the Oxford Dictionary describes hope as a feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. That also could be a wish. (laughs) And I suppose we often use it, the term hope as wish. I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. I hope the lights will be on when I get home. But biblical hope is defined through Hebrews 6, verse 19. I'll read from verse 18. It says this, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. Verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. The message says it is an unbreakable spiritual lifeline. It is an anchor for our soul. This is not a wish. (laughs) This is an anchor. A sure thing. An anchor, boats use anchors. And anchors are for below the surface. The storm, the currents, the wind happen. But when a boat is anchored, it is secure. The anchor is for our souls. Our souls are behind the facade, below all the storms of life and the things that are happening. And when we are anchored in Jesus, we are firm, we are secure. So no matter what circumstance or stage we are on, or even the pain or heartache we are going through, 
we can still be stable and secure in Jesus, our hope. So this week, I, I really had to dig deep. I'm preparing this, this message on hope. And Thursday, stage six happened and didn't just happen, it then affected me. Power went out. And I'm sure that everyone has experienced this. But in that moment, it was like the wind was knocked out of my sails. I was just like, oh, Lord, is there any hope? And here I'm preparing this preach on hope. Is this any hope? Is there any hope? It's so easy for us to allow these things to knock us. It's great that in this time, we can start to think about the story of Christmas, start to put our focus on the hope that we have in Jesus because God came to us when we were so, so far from even a thought of being close to him. Can we stand? Can we close our eyes? Lord Jesus, right now I just wanna, I just wanna thank you for coming to us. Thank you that, that you made a way, you made, you did it. Thank you that we can celebrate and look to the story of you coming to earth in this time making a plan so that we could know you, so that we wouldn't have to be lives in the dark, hoping and wishing our, that things might change, but we could have a firm, secure life in you. We could have peace beyond what was happening around us. I thank you, Jesus, that you did this willingly, that you came to us. And God, we thank you that you had a plan. Thank you that you got involved and that you continue to get involved. And God, I pray that over this time, you would help us to see from your perspective, that you'd help us to zoom out, you'd help us to, to grow and see what you're doing. See why you're doing things. God, but most of all, we thank you that you are with us. Emmanuel, God with us. While our eyes are closed, I just wanna read Philippians 2 again. Talking about Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in, the appearance, in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above 
every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and even, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to God, to the glory of God the Father. If you don't yet know Jesus, the reason why he came to earth was not so that we could have Christmas presents, was not so that we could celebrate the end of the year. It was so that he could die, so that we could, he would defeat sin and death on the cross, so that we could know him and one day be in heaven. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'd like you to pray this with your heart. In fact, uh, could everyone, could we all pray this? It's always good. That way, if someone is praying this for the first time, then they don't feel like it's pointed at them. <laughs> but also, it means that we can, just, we can just focus our hearts again on Jesus. Is that all right? Can we close our eyes? Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to earth, that you lived among people, that you died on the cross, that you rose again, and that you're now seated on the right hand of the Father. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you did all of this so that I could be in heaven and that you did all of this so that your Holy Spirit could live in me. Right now, Jesus, I dedicate my life to you. I give myself to you. I make you Lord over all. And I thank you that my name is now written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. We would love to know how this message spoke to you. Please connect with us through our website, www.venturechurch.co.za or through our various social channels.